Hello everybody, welcome to the Women's Football Podcast from Total Battalion Football. Um, this is our first post-game one for the Women's World Cup, because Italy have had a game. I am Ewan Burns, I'm joined by Connor Clancy, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very happy that you didn't make me introduce myself <laughs> again. Um, it was a snap decision, I nearly did. You nearly did, and you did when we tried to record this a few minutes ago, but yes, here we are. Italy have won a game as well, Burnsy. Yeah, not just played one, won one. So, I mean, the, the, that, that monkey is immediately off the back where everyone is scared of what if we don't win any game? You know, what, what if we never get that moment of winning a game? That's gone, they've won. Um, and, you know, sort of podcast of two slants. It's great news that they won. Um, it wasn't get to the or anything like that. <laughs> um, there are reasons to still be fairly pessimistic about just general hopes um obviously they're in they're in you know three points in a world cup is huge because there's only nine available mm-hmm. um and you know there will be a team that doesn't get as high as three possibly two to, you know it's we all know how that's it world cup, um you know there, there have been instances i'm pretty sure in various world cups of three points being enough very very rarely but occasionally three points can actually be enough. yeah well look six does it four sometimes does Three, yeah, there. Yeah, three <laughs> can happen, um, but it's a bit more of a specific set of circumstances. But they've got six more still to play for, which is the point. Um, but yeah, yeah, they, they, they weren't thrilling. It wasn't brilliant. It was a late winner, um, but nonetheless, they won, and that has to be a good thing. Yeah, they got the win, <laughs> but I think you're a little bit more. Um, optimistic and and positive about this than than I am. I, I do recognise that Italy did deserve the win just, but I think it's more a case that a draw probably would have been fair and if either team was to lose, it's probably just about right that it was Argentina and not Italy because Italy didn't create all that many chances. Um, if we're going to do that thing that I hate what people do, which is say that they had two goals ruled out. They didn't. They had the ball in the net twice, but both were correctly offside. They they never scored a goal um, until the Girelli header, despite what some people will say. Um, and they were very, like, expected offsides, and a lot of their attacking movements were very just predictable and expected. And Jacinti, like, I, I wanted her to start, but now I think she probably won't start the next game, and rightly so, because she doesn't, probably offer enough in games when Italy aren't getting in behind all the time and there isn't a lot of the ball scrambling around the box but if there are positives to take from it I think there's probably three that you could frame as two the first is that Italy didn't concede never really looked like conceding and Francesca Durante when she was called upon late on with that free kick made a good save not just a save a decent save um and then the other two into one is the the kids because all of Italy's attacks came from down that left-hand side. And it was on that left-hand side that we had Chiara Baccari and Giulia Dragoni, like the, the 18 and the 16-year-olds, respectively. Um, the two offside goals were both created by through balls from Dragoni. Baccari had a quieter game than she might have liked, but I don't think she was bad by any stretch of the imagination. I think she was probably more involved than Giacinti was. I think she probably had a better game than Giacinti and that is probably 
the evidence of that is that she played the whole game and Jacinti came off. But I, I think there are some positives. I don't know if I'd start the kids against Sweden. I'd definitely start the two of them again against um, South Africa. But yeah, some positives, but mostly more of the same. And there are some some novelties that we can discuss in this pod a bit a bit more and there are some concerns that are new some concerns that still exist and we've got a bit of time to get into those now yeah in terms of Bakari stood out to me in the sense that she was very involved and um, not, neither of them I would say looked really young exactly. in the way that they were playing um, I do think a lot of what Bakari did just didn't come off mm-hmm. um I I don't I I wouldn't I couldn't I couldn't say she had a good game like in terms of the context yeah. of playing at a World Cup as an eighteen year old she did very well but yeah she did, I wouldn't say she had a good no, game no definitely not but she didn't the, I don't think she had a bad game no I think she was just she was there um she she held her own let's say yeah. that um and I think I think Dragoni had a a better game mm-hmm. than her um but Pekari played the entire game. Which surprised me. Dragani played eighty-three minutes, which really surprised me. Um, but then Sweden, we kind of we talked before the tournament about surely. Well, for starters, we weren't sure what formation they were going to play. Just generally for the tournament, um, I wouldn't necessarily say we're even much the wiser now. Um, <laughs> but this is <laughs> after that game. We were we were chatting about this during the game, weren't we? And we were trying to work out what formation it actually was like it's listed as a like a four two three one but it wasn't quite that because caruso wasn't that far ahead of the two midfielders she was definitely further ahead than dragoni and juliana but not enough that she was in a different line of of the play See, i thought dragoni was often the furthest forward yeah. of the three of them juliana was certainly the the deepest midfielder um but sometimes it did almost feel like they were playing in a vertical line mm. at times because um, I think Dragoni and Caruso both basically had a very free role, um, but so did Bakari. Um, yeah, but this is the thing. I, I couldn't work out where Bakari was playing. She was vaguely left of centre, but not quite out wide left, which makes me think that it wasn't a a four three three or a four two three one. And then on the other side, Bonanseo was always so wide that... If you just looked at that side, you think so. It was like a weird asymmetrical thing that they've never done before, and I think I don't want this to just become me defending Chiara Bacari the whole time because I don't need to because she is good. But I think she kind of fell victim to the system and that her role was vague and she was in a position that she's probably not played before. Do you know, she we said on the preview part that she is a a forward rather than a striker, but. When she's in that kind of position where it's hard to work out what she's actually there to do, I think we can forgive her not being at the very top of her game. But yeah, it was it was a funny team, a funny shape, and I put this out on Twitter afterwards. But like like I didn't actually put this out, but Jada Gradji did make a difference when she came on. Like the tempo shifted when when she came on, and that's not a surprise if you've watched her play at all. The shock is that Bertolini still has this weird blind spot for her um, where she doesn't seem to find a place for her in the team. But I, with this Italy team, it's hard to know what team is best, what shape is best. So I think you've just got to work from what you know 
is good. And to be honest with you, I think going forward, Italy have to just play with a midfield three of Caruso, Giuliano and Greggi. And that still allows Dragoni to be in there in, in like a slightly more advanced role. And you've got the best, <laughs> probably the best three players you have on the, on the pitch together. So, And you've got that, that Roma dynamic as well, which is, which is important considering how well they play together at Roma. With the way Caruso is great at carrying the ball through midfield and, and popping up in the box, she can bring that like Andressa factor to it as well. So I, I'm left like just scrambling to work out what Bettolini is, is doing and thinking at any time. And it is frustrating when you watch it because there are times where it's calling out for Ajadagreji. And then, like you say, with with Caruso having to do absolutely everything, she picked up the booking and then she had to come off after. Like it was an hour, wasn't it? 57 minutes or something. That that was interesting because I really, really want to know if it would have been Dragoni coming off if the yellow didn't exist. Mm. Um because Dragoni did very well and was very involved and you would not have thought she was 16. I, I think I tweeted this out. She, did look, she looked a lot more leggy towards the end of the first half than, than everyone else. You, you could sort of tell that she hadn't played at that yeah. level um, much, if at all, really. Um, and so I kind of thought I wouldn't be shocked if she came off Maybe half time would have been a bit soon, but quite soon into the second half, and then you see Greggi warming up, and you think, okay, here we yeah. go. And then it was Caruso. Um, they've actually then stayed on for another almost the rest of the game, which <laughs> was quite surprising. And she did get on the ball less and less as the game went on. Um, I think, I think physically, I think we've all been there as kids, where when you get really tired, you do naturally go hiding a little bit. Well, it's, she's you know, sixteen you, years old. That thing. needs it's, to be it's said. A different sport of fitness um, to. You know, competing with like seasoned mm. professionals. Um, you know, f- football is a very weird sort of fitness. It's a lot of bursts of pace and stuff. Um, and you said it was a very physical game too. Like it was, yeah. So I- I'd be I'd be amazed if she started the next game. Mm. I'd also be surprised if Beccari did because yeah. number one she played the whole game, but also surely it's going to be. Three, five, two. Yes, and you know, I'm, five without the ball. I'm putting the, the Juventus players up front. It's yeah. Jacinti and I'm uh, not sorry, Jacinti, Girelli and Bonanza up top for me for that yeah. one. Because um, Bonanza on the on the right was was weird. She Bonanza is not slow, mm. but she she's got a good top speed. She she does she can't really beat a player on the wing wing with sudden acceleration. That's not a game. She dribbles um, past them while. Cutting in like that's her whole yeah. thing on the left. Yeah, well, she's already got the pace up, kind of thing. Where she she was like she was receiving the ball right on the touchline, yeah, for a standing start, and she had to keep just going back into the midfield all the time because she's she's not going to just knock it past a player and beat them. This but, is the know, thing that, again. Twice. So I'm putting Bonanza in the the same category as Bacardi in that they didn't necessarily play well, but they didn't play badly, and mm. I think a lot of the reasons for their relative anonymity in the game was was because of where they were. You know, like, if Bonanzea plays on the left, she has a way better game. Like, she she doesn't play on the right ever. And, I don't know, I'm just, I'm left just a bit by the whole thing because we saw the disaster that was last year's European Championship. That's gone now. And that's not going to happen because of three points on the board. Fine, we can we can move on from it. But we can't because with that formation, I think there's 
more than just an element of this being a side that's way too experimental at this point. Like it shouldn't be. It should either be a side that's clearly transitioning towards something clear or it should be we're at this World Cup to go as far as we can. And it doesn't seem to be either because there's a recognition. Like the, the fact that Dragoni and Bagari are playing, there is an eye on the future there. I don't care what Bertolini says about how good they are, which they are. I mean, anyone that's listened to us throughout the season will know that there isn't a bigger fan of Chiara Bagari in Italy than me. But the fact that she's playing now from the start shows that they're not just thinking about the now, right? They're, they've got more than one eye on the future. But they're still thinking about the now in that some of those players are still there. <laughs> you know, it's it's a really funny one. It's it's a really funny one. And it is frustrating because I don't know what Italy are at the moment. I don't know what sort of phase they're in. I don't know how you would... Like, if somebody who doesn't follow Italian women's football was to watch that game yesterday and ask you about the, the team, I think you'd struggle to explain everything to them in less than five or ten minutes. Monologue. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different facets to it and stuff. Because like I say, you've got a lot of players seemingly out of position. You'd say Giacinti and Giuliano mm. are probably the only two away from the defence that you'd say were where you would expect them to always be. Um, yeah, Dragoni's a slightly odd case in the sense, you know, she doesn't play in Serie A. We don't see her week in, week out. Um, I can't claim to have seen what sort of role she's been playing at in Barcelona's, um, what are they called? It's not the is it the B team that they call? Yeah, it? Barcelona B, isn't it? Yeah, um, we never know whether to say like reserves or B or youth or, um, yeah, in the B team. I have not watched their games. No. I don't know what sort of role she tends to play there. Maybe it is a very very fluid role. I wouldn't be surprised with the sort of player that mm. she is, um, and the fact that that's where Bertolini put her. But yeah, it could look totally different in a few days' time when they play Sweden, which is, when's that, Saturday morning in Europe. Um, I think it's, it's half eight UK, I believe, that one. Possibly yeah, that's nine. right. Um, we'll be together for that one. Yeah, we will. I think I'm on that one, aren't I? Well, look, we'll both we'll be doing watching. it, won't we? Um, <laughs> that'll be pleasant. I'm, I'm looking forward to having someone to talk to, like, in person. Because I hate texting people about matches while they're on, but I love having a chat with yeah. people about matches while they're on. Because um, Sob's Law is something that happens while you're messaging. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we can we can field. Well, we'll, we'll be getting questions from Kev. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Time, we'll, we'll be. It'll be an education. Probably <laughs> uh, questions from my partner and Kev's partner as well, depending if if they're in the room. Know, they're not going to. I don't think they'll be in the room with us. I don't know. I mean, that time of day, we might have a choice, really. <laughs> mm. um, but we shall see. You're glancing at Norway. We're having a live uh, No, so- Sophie Robin Haig was just walking <laughs> off the pitch and it, it was nice to see her. <laughs> Is it half-time now? Yeah, it's half-time. I think it's nil-nil. Yeah, I've not been paying the closest of attention because I'm talking yeah. to you. Um, but yeah, Robin Haig and Harvey are starting, which is nice because neither of them started the first game and Harvey came on. No. Um, by the way, Norway are going very... We've got Sophie Robin Haig on the pitch. Let's just put the ball on her head. Like, <laughs> Kick it yeah. out <laughs> it might bounce off in the right way that, that that's a that's a disservice to her she will then head it in the correct direction she's so, it's so <laughs> it's weird how good she is in the air isn't it because she's really mm. slight like she's tall but anyway we're not here to talk about Sophie Robin are we oh, see if they get each other in the knockout 
No, I think the issue is that I'm, I'm pretty sure from memory, the, the way the groups were, if Italy do finish second, they're almost certainly going to play against America. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, because um, if, if Ireland go through, you know who that is? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie McGave is not last than 20 minutes on that pitch, is she? <laughs> she's in an advert that keeps coming up on YouTube at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and part of it says about I play it hard on the pitch or something like that. <laughs> she's in loads of ads here. Like she's, it, it's it's hard to explain it just enough, but she is a superstar here. She's she's yeah. gone from being like that women's footballer that a few people know to oh that's Katie. She's not even Katie McCabe yeah. now. It's it's she's known on a first name basis by everybody in in Ireland. It's it's amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the closest to that is in England. Possibly Leo, Leo Williams. Alessia Russo's getting not too far away. She's beyond likeable, by the way. Mm. They all are, and that's good. It's mad. Yeah. So different. I, I, know, I say they're so different that a lot of the, the men's England team at the moment are actually very likeable. Um, but anyway, that's England, not Italy. Um, Lisa Bortin was... We, we, we got Vito to do some... Player ratings, the the local man, in the sense that he's closest to New Zealand. Yes, he's in one of the host <laughs> countries. Yeah, just the, the the one that Italy possibly will not play in at all. <laughs> yeah, um, he did make a good point actually when he, he said that the the crowd that it was at Eden Park this game, um, which I can't remember which city that is in. It's possibly Auckland, Auckland. isn't it? Yeah, um, and he pointed out that if if Italy were playing in Australia, or say say in Melbourne where where he lives there'd be a much, much bigger crowd. Because mm. um, before the host game, they were talking about how, obviously, women's football is very big in Australia and has been for quite a long time. It's, it's not the case in New Zealand. It's very much developing, and this is a very it's a very massive moment for it. So when they won that opening game, that's why, that's partly, you know, there's loads of reasons why that was huge, but that's part of it. Um, so the crowds are, the stadiums are smaller in New Zealand already, um, but then the crowds are, a bit less intense, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I think it's yeah. I think he's right that Italy would have had a much much bigger crowd in Australia because of that diaspora, which is vast. You can tell because if you follow Vito on Instagram, he seems to be just constantly at various Italian restaurants <laughs> where he lives. That's the restaurants. way to do it, though, isn't it? <laughs> like if you're that far away from Italy. Um... Why not? And if you've got that proper Italian diaspora there as well, you know it's going to be good mm. Italian food. Um, but, yeah, I take the point because I'm sorry to... <laughs> he says, I'm not at all sorry to keep talking about the fact that Ireland are at this World Cup as well. But Ireland and Italy are quite similar in that, like, we are both nations of, of emigration. So we're everywhere. And everywhere there's an Italian person, there's an Irish person. And everywhere there's either of those people is basically everywhere on earth, right? And Ireland, their opener, opening game was against Australia, which was originally supposed to be in like a, a 45,000 capacity stadium. But because they hadn't really accommodated for the fact that there's fucking loads of Irish people in, in Australia, the game had to be moved to an 80,000 capacity stadium. And I, I think in the end, there were like 20 odd thousand Irish people there. And all the players were talking about how you could just hear the Irish people everywhere. And it would have been the same thing for Italy if, if it had been in a different place. So it is a pity. But maybe you can understand it from the host's perspective as to why they didn't necessarily want both Ireland and Italy to rock up and make it their own. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things you can... It's easy for us to go, oh, why have they done that? But you know, we, we don't understand how it all gets 
doubt and all the yeah there's there's a million things to consider yeah of course it certainly would have been nice um and probably would have been better for italy but it's never as simple as that um if they were drawn in a different group by pure chance they may well have been in australia um because i think it's the entire group yeah it's just entirely within new zealand um but hey there you go um but yeah anyway what i was saying before i got derailed by different things about this on on total having tiny football he did the ratings and he chose i'd say correctly lisa Bortin as the player of the match for italy um and she um again i wouldn't say anyone excelled in this game. yeah it's not like she absolutely ran the show yeah. or anything like that um but she was very solid in her own position very, very little got past her um you, you could tell that Partly because of where Benini was, but Argentina were going down the other side yeah. throughout the entire game. Um, and then because Martinez just a ridiculous delivery, um, she set up the winning goal with a cross that we've seen a thousand times. When when she got that ball on the left, I did. I was transported back about six weeks or seven weeks now to the Stadio Arecchi in Salerno, where. Lisa Botin got the ball in the 90-somethingth minute out on the left, deep enough. And Bonansea just made a little move in the box and Botin just put it exactly where Bonansea's head was going to be about three seconds later and finished it. And when that ball went in and I saw who it was going to, I thought Italy have won the match because Girelli's just... Girelli's going to do a Girelli and come on late, have one chance, finish it, job done, see you later, I'm starting next time. Um, and that's what happened. But yeah, Boatin is, she made it into our team of the season at left back, right? Um, yeah, must have done. Like there, there isn't anyone else as good as her in that position, but I was shocked that she was in that specific position in that she was left back as opposed to left wing back in a back four as opposed to a back three slash five. And and that's one of the things I think we have to talk about because this team was basically, this squad was selected on the basis that Italy were playing with a back three and wing backs. And then in the first game, they play with a back four. So then you've got Anna Maria Sartorini on the bench, Benedetto Leone on the bench, you know they're not going to come on unless there's a, a change in shape because there isn't a position for them in, in that team. Um, at right back, Lucia Di Guglielmo was, was playing and Vito rated her performance a little bit more highly than I did. I think she's a very good player. I don't think she's a right back. She's got she's one of those wing backs that needs to be a wing back and she's not a full back. You know, like there's that little difference. But I think can do both. But I, I was shocked in in this team in a back four that Martina Lanzini didn't play at right back. I, I can't work out why that wasn't the case, but Botin was excellent. We know she's excellent. However, there is still the big asterisk of France last year because she was one of the worst players on the pitch against France last year. And it it's funny to say because I, I, I don't really fault her for it because France were just so quick, so rapid, and she can't deal with that to the same extent that other players might be able to so france was specifically good in that area of the pitch yeah. as well she, she was it was an onslaught it was horrible but that <laughs> does make me concerned for sweden because sweden have a lot of forwards who are like quite pacey quite tricky quite hard to get a grip on and i 
think for that reason Italy need to go with a back three against against Sweden as we've been as we've been discussing. But yeah, Botin's excellent. She was excellent. I don't think that's a great surprise. I think something that Italy really need to utilize is Botin's crosses. Like just, just, if Girelli's on there, just pop one on her head. But it did, and I was talking to someone after the game about this. It did make me cry for the fact that Martina Piemonte is not at the World Cup because she's the best in the air in, in all of Serie A. Well, not anymore. She's gone to Everton. But you take the point. Like, no one's winning a header against her. Like, so if you've got someone as good as Boatin on, on the pitch and you're in that position where you need to go late on, how good would it be to have a front two or three of Piemonte and Girelli because they're not losing headers and then a little Giacinti just floating around sniffing for something like <laughs> but oh well if they go to a three who are you bringing in I can't think what the logic is to taking Linari or Salvai out no they both stay in um, and Lenzini comes in as as the third centre back um, over over Bartoli who's in there as well yeah I'm not uh, I'm not starting Bartoli in, in a five I'd probably go with Honestly, I think I'd play Sartorini as, as right wing back because she still gives you that. Like, she's tireless. She's like the Jarvis Albany. Yeah. And then going forward, she's decent as well. So she can carry the whole team forward just by running with mm-hmm. the ball. Um, but yeah, I think I would go with a back five of Sartorini, right? Lencini, Salvai, and Leonardi, and Boatin. That would be my back five for Sweden if memory, specifically. If memory serves, and it very much might not be. Um, in that France game in the Euros, I feel like Cetterini was the was the only one who looked like doing anything positive at any given moment. Um, I think she played that sort of role, but I, I could be thinking of a different game within the group stage where she just happened to be good. Mm. Um, but I, I seem to remember feeling like she was doing all right on her side, and it was Boatine who was really getting killed by who would it have been was it was it Cascarino was over there that was no, there was like five of them was there <laughs> they, they, they ganged <laughs> up on her so it was bullying at one point we're playing with six right wingers mm. <laughs> and somehow that's going to leave the rest of the pitch still fine um god that was a, that was a really hard I can't pitch. remember any positives from that except for in the second half when Piemonte came on Italy did change a bit but that first half was yeah. was bad five minutes I'm looking at the team now, um, which took a bit. Of, but no, uh, Sertu didn't start. It, w- it would have been Bartoli at right back. No, I was thinking of another game, though. Maybe the Iceland one. Um, either God, way. that's a weird team. Mm. Right, I'm going to call it there. Oh, yeah. Have you got anything else you want to say? Um, is there anything else I want to say? No, just for Christ's <laughs> start. Jada Greggi in a midfield three, please. Yeah. Um, go and read. There's a match report. There's Bertolini's comments. There's the player ratings, if you've not seen already, on Total-Hyphen Football. And there will be the same again on Saturday. Yeah, well, we'll, get the, we'll get the preview out for the Sweden game as well, but the where to watch details. Yes, we will. We'll have that as well. So go and pay attention to all of that. And also have a nice day. All right, say goodbye. See ya. Bye.